When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host, Justin Poole, and joining me, as always, John Duke, and thank God it's over. What a painful season. And the playoffs seem to be going okay in the first round, but no, 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 no. Total butt whoopage by Giannis, the Greek freak, and the Milwaukee Bucks. And, John, you and I talked even before we came on. It's like, do we even want to talk about this? Like, it's so divisive. It's really frustrating. The playoffs went just like the season did. You know, you got your hopes up, and then they came down really fast. And I and I would say, honestly, the turning point for me, and uh, you can go back to my Twitter comments and see just how much of a voracious turning point it really was, but the officiating in game three, I didn't act any better than the players did. My response to it was pretty poor, but I also think that, you know, it, it also brought out the worst from the regular season in the team. And this is where I, we know the foundation of, of culture, you know, and collaboration just wasn't there on this club. It was a divided locker room. Uh, we'll obviously talk about Rozier's comments and we are going to get to the draft lottery. But we can't get to any of that until we put this season to rest and take a look back at the, at the postseason. And that's really what I saw was, was game three was really a turning point. And, you know, it, it, we'll get into the Kyrie discussion too, I'm sure, just because and maybe that's part of this. But obviously, you know, I don't think I've seen, and I tweeted this out. I don't think I've seen the Celtics fan base be this divided since the Antoine Walker trade, uh, and not over a player. There's been some, you know, interesting moments and differences in opinions amongst the – but this one is divisive. People are literally getting upset about this. Yeah, and I saw you, you know, when you tweeted that, I thought that was a really good call on your part because I I agree. This is, this is uh, the division. There is a stark line right now, and I think maybe some of the comments Terry Rozier made – uh, to ESPN on ESPN's airwaves here on, on Tuesday may soften some of that. And, and I think time will soften some of that, but you're absolutely right. This was uncharacteristic of every Brad Stevens team, every Doc Rivers team. I mean, this was a, this was a laydown job in, in games three, four, and five. It was, you know, probably one of the more, and, and arguably game two, I suppose, the blowout. Uh, that they barely came back on. It was one of the more dispiriting events of, of Celtics fandom, you know, and, and folks who go back to 83. I was going to say, since you and I did this, right? Absolutely. Like, but since we, you yeah. and I have started this show, I think it's been Never close, this bad. not quite 15 years, but we're coming yeah. up on 15 years of live broadcasting and podcasting over the Internet of the Boston Celtics, and we didn't even get started until after that Antoine Walker trade. It right. was right after what really juiced us into this was, hey, Danny Ainge is coming on board. This could be a real shift in direction for the organization. We think they're headed, you know, towards something positive. And then that trade and, and that was the fuel that ignited so much Celtics interest and really that whole debate and everybody's saying, wait a second, look at the new players that are coming in. And, uh, it's similar in some ways to what we're seeing now, but, but not the same at all. And when they traded Antoine Walker, I mean, I think we were doing a show within, you know, 18 months, if not sooner than that, after that trade, because of the discussion it generated from that divisive scenario amongst the fan base. And it, yeah. and, and regular media didn't want to talk about the team then. Obviously they do now. And Kyrie is a big part of that. But yeah, since then, I don't think in the history of Celtic stuff live, we've gone through this divisive of uh, a, a fan base around the team and the players. 
And even then, though, it wasn't even so much about the team as much as about a player. I mean, I think that certainly there were bad times. The Patino years weren't good. You know, ML Carr and, and obviously the, the, the death of, of Reggie Lewis. But in terms of a team, a, a disliked team, and even broader than Kyrie Irving and the, and the divide that he's created, the team, and going back to the 83 team, perhaps that got swept by the Bucks. Uh, again, that was a team. It wasn't about ability. It wasn't, it was about mental makeup and, and a will to, to fight. And that's why, you know, so much of what we're going to talk about here over the next six to eight to 12 weeks of how this team shakes out for the 2020 season is, and beyond probably is so much about mental makeup and it's not about what they're capable of doing on the floor. It's a question of what their mindset is, how that's triggered and how that's angled towards a positive result and a, and a collective effort. And what we saw in games two through five against the Bucks was probably the, the least team centered approach. And in fact, Giannis said today, they knew if they got, if they, you know, even losing game one to the Celtics, they never felt like they had to worry. They would worry about, you know, Toronto because they knew that, you know, they, they were not facing a tough minded team. And that's know, horrendous. Just, that is terrible. a real statement, right? Not to mention the Bucks players in the locker room, you know, leaking out stuff, uh, you know, about the Celtics and, you know, just how Kyrie, you know, handled himself uh, on the floor and being upset about the officiating. And believe me, I was upset too. Yeah. But, but there are a lot of reports that Kyrie does have pretty gigantic mood swings and tends to hang his head. And I would say that that bore out a hundred percent on the floor from the standpoint of, you know, he said after game two, I, I know how to make the right reads and I need to make the right reads. The problem with Kyrie is he committed to making the right reads in the next three games, but only for short periods of time. If the other player's shots didn't fall, he gave up on them. The problem is, is he continued to shoot just as poorly. And the whole thing, that was bad leadership. That's where I think people are frustrated yeah. with Kyrie and, and he definitely did not come as promised. I won't say as advertised, but as promised what he said he was going to be, you know, for this team in terms of being a leader, et cetera, you know, his hanging his head and easily following, falling into that trap of, you know, Oh, well, if you guys aren't going to hit the shots, I'll take it upon myself. Right. You know, was, was really, it, it was a poor display. Now he is 26. And plenty of players fall into that trap and rebound and become great players. And there's plenty of time for that to happen. And he will probably find that way. And he'll be a completely different player six years from now at the age of 32. And maybe he'll be in L.A. with LeBron. Or maybe he'll be in New York with Kevin Durant. Or maybe he'll be in Boston Green. But he's still got some maturing to do. And that's what I mean about him not coming as promised. Yeah, and, and I I think that's... I think that's absolutely fair. I mean, the, the knives have been out for Kyrie Irving before game five. I mean, really after game four, uh, there was a dead man walking sense around the team. And, you know, they, this was a team that was ready to lay down at that point. And that's, that's leadership. That's yeah. Follow that's, the leader. Right. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. if you want to take that mantle, that's great, but. You know, everybody followed your lead then. You said, this is me. And so the results of the team directly are, you know, relating to the way that you led them. So, you know, and and that's go on Brad too. That's the real question. Well, that's, you know, that's, I was kind of going there because to me, this is all about the mindset, right? And before going to Brad, you know, is this something that he can come out of? And I think that's not a question we want to answer right now on the show, but you look at where the 2018 Celtics were and the 2018 Celtics with Kyrie Irving were, and it was a very different place. And so you have to look at all of those, everything that went into what made this team what it is and try to figure out is Kyrie Irving that person? Is that who he is permanently or were there a confluence of factors? And you look at, at what, you know, Rozier said today before, which was kind of interesting before Kyrie said, you know, if you'll have me uh, back, I'd like, I'll stay uh, at the, the preseason event there. He said everyone was together before that. 
which is a really weird thing to say. You would think, oh, everyone's all in now that Kyrie's staying, but he felt like that was a place where division started. So I don't know what that means, but but it kind of jumps to the other thing Rozier talked about is how Well, it definitely Kyrie... insinuates what we think about Rozier and Rozier losing his opportunity to grow his career right. to Kyrie and then the dissension in the locker room about Kyrie. Like the question really is, Rozier's the one who is willing to, you know, he's the one that wants out, right? And Run and maybe he wants out Blow regardless of whether or not they keep Kyrie, right? Maybe he's just saying, get me out of here and forcing his way out. And, and mm-hmm. that's what it looks like to me. But that doesn't mean that there aren't strings of truth and that it may, we, what we don't know is how much it extends beyond Rozier because Marcus Smart is telling a completely different story. But see, Marcus Smart might have to play alongside Kyrie for the next four years. You have never know how that's going to play out. That's a smart move. Rozier is all about burning this bridge, and intentionally so, because he wants to move on and get an opportunity elsewhere. And So how far do his comments stretch inside of that locker room? I don't think we'll know for quite some time. Uh, but I think I think you can see, see the lines of, of truth in both of them. You know, with Kyrie, or I should say with Smart, you know, kind of thrown aside that the leadership, Kyrie's leadership was a problem. Um, You just have to look at the motivations of each player. Kyrie, you know, Marcus Smart has got his money. Marcus Smart, four years, $52 million. He's set, man. You know, he's in a good position. He knows what he does. He's, you know, other than all first team defense, maybe an all-star nod if he, if he really grows his game, but that's, that's who he is. You've got Terry Rozier, who's coming off a big Puma deal with T-shirts all over the place a year ago. Uh, a guy whose you know social media is blowing up all over the place, and now he's, as he said, he's gone from the front seat to the trunk. You know, th- you can just see what's going on there. And I who think wouldn't be disgruntled? He, he told himself, "Let's well, be but, honest." Yeah, who wouldn't you know what? Be That's, disgruntled? Well, but look at Jalen Brown. How did Jalen Brown handle it? Jalen Brown took a situation where he was awful. In the first month and a half of the year. Yeah, and he, he matured. turned himself absolutely. Yeah, he, he absolutely matured. Big time credit. Big time Cannot credit. Move. That, and that's the whole thing now. I'm like, you, the culture that Brad, Brad, Brad sowed the seeds for Brown to do that. A hundred percent. He is a, a maker he, of men. I don't yep. know how else to say it, but when you already have established players, I'm just not sure. That's where Doc Rivers comes into play. That's the coach you want. For guys like Kyrie, Brad's the coach you want when you're building it out of the draft and you're showing these guys, you know, again, how to be men. I really feel like it's, you know, there's there's this element of that's why he was good with college players. But if he can get them right out of college and teach them the right values and attitudes towards basketball, he can get any team to overachieve. And what I think is going to be sad if we don't get to see this play out the way, you know, maybe I had hoped before the Kyrie trade, it would just be so awesome to see Brad get to work that from start to finish. You know, a 28-year-old Brown and a 27-year-old Tatum. And whoever else they pick up along the way as they fight for a championship. That That's... And I've always said that's what I really enjoy watching is the development of a team like that. And so, you know, Brad gets my vote of confidence that way. I'm just not sure that, you know, the Boston fan base is always that patient. And I know Danny loves to, you know, kick that timeline up. And, you know, we'll talk about the results of the lottery here and we'll talk about the Pelicans and Anthony Davis. And there'll be lots of that conversation coming up. And I'll constantly put that. Yin against the yang of, you know, the what if. What if we let these players grow? I don't think Terry Rozier is as good as Terry Rozier thinks he can be. I think there's some limitations there. He turned down a $12 million four-year deal, and I think that was probably pretty good money for him, and he could have collected a pretty sizable raise this season. And, yeah, he might have been traded anyway, depending on what happened with Kyrie, but that would have just put him in the position he wanted to be in. He would have just had to eat a turd for a year. And he might get a little bit more money than that um, if they move him, but I'm not so sure, 100% there. And, you know, he lost out the money on this year by not taking the extension. And so we'll see how that all plays out. But one thing is for sure in my mind is definitely Tatum and Brown. And watching Brown, to your point, 
just come together in, in terms of maturity. I feel like that's a testament to Brad. It's a testament to Brown. And he was a bright spot. Oh, big time. Big time he was a bright spot. You know, he figured it out. He figured out how to be a pro. You know, I think that's the that's the credit to him is he figured out how to be a pro. He figured out how to take a situation, do what he does well, and let that play into what everyone else does. Now, the other guys and other I, I don't I, I what's great about that is he didn't let the dysfunction elsewhere impact what he did, and he let his focus be solely on what he does. Did he have off games? Sure, he wasn't an all star every night, and you know that's but that's not what I what I was looking for, but he was the most among the most consistent, I would say the most consistent contributor from say March 1st until the end of the season. I think Jalen would probably, you know, would be among that list. Maybe, you know, maybe you could throw Horford in there too, but I think those two guys would probably be at the, at the head of the class of people who you felt like they really did what they had to do and, and lived up to their end of the bargain. Uh, you know, I, I think that he, he put himself in a very different position in the minds of Celtics fans. You know, for me who looked at, well, you know, you want to keep Tatum, you're willing to give up Brown. That becomes closer now, you know, and I know, you know, and I know people will say, well, you know, there's this and that of why you wouldn't do that. Well, Tatum had a tough year, right? I mean, after a very promising, but there's always a sophomore slump. You know, he's a player again, who's a little bit, I don't want to say he's a volume shooter, but that's where he excelled last season when the volume of shots went up. And that, and, and specifically when I referenced Kyrie's leadership and when the other shots didn't fall, he started taking on his own shoulders. I mean, that's definitely a direct shot, not a shot, but the direct tie to Tatum because Tatum, when his shots weren't falling, you know, those open shots from the outside, that was tough. And I think, Tatum does need to get, he's a rhythm shooter. Let's at least say that. Whether he's a high volume rhythm shooter like Kyrie is, maybe not, but he's definitely a rhythm shooter and he needs to get regular, regular shots up. And so yeah, that, that, that differential is shorter, but I just want to bucket them. I don't want to say the two of them are a package. They do different things well. They play well off of each other. The success in the last year, as much as Terry wants to lump himself in with those two, and he did have a fantastic postseason, a lot of it was because of what Brown and Tatum were doing. Yeah. And I really don't want to break up that duo. I, I'm not going to say that it's Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, but that's the two players that really kicked off the Golden State. Everything else came in around that. Right. But those were the two draft picks that really started to perform. And I can see that same kind of core with these two guys. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what will happen because if Kyrie does go elsewhere, and I think Rozier is ensuring that he does regardless of that determination, what you're left with is Marcus Smart, Brown, Tatum, and probably an extended Horford because he seems to like it in Boston. And all indications are that he's going to opt out and take a cap friendly deal and stretch it out, which is something that we had all hoped for. It would be nice for them to get a center, but that's still a decent team. And then obviously you've got Hayward and hopefully what you're hoping for is that Hayward rebounds, you know, with a good season under his belt and an off season to prepare. And boy, are you crossing your fingers for that? Because as much as we want to talk about the Kyrie stuff, you know, Hayward's contract and the value of that contract is really tied to their future success. So we need him to really be able to get back to form with a full off season to get prepared. But if he does, if he does, you know, you've got a decent core there. What they really need is a center. And we saw that over and over. They just don't have the man in the middle. Um, and, you know, they really need somebody rangy, you know, like. Yeah, go ahead. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they need a center. I think they need Al Horford. I think they need their power forward. I, I think you want Al Horford as your center. Because they, you want to be able to stretch things out. And you want to be able to play pace and space. If you want a pace and space team, Al Horford is your best center possible. The question is, can you find a power forward who can do the things you need to do? You know, who can, who can rebound and pass and, and shoot it from space, you know, and defend multiple positions. That's, I think that's the piece that's missing. Cause I don't, I don't think you can have Al Horford at 33, 34 years old playing the, the power forward position. You know, and, and yeah, I know there's different, you know, who space, you know, positions don't matter, but I, I just, I think he's your center. I think you just need to get better rebounding. I think as you're going into next season, if you do stick with Tatum on this team, 
He needs what if to they get... moved Kyrie to the Pelicans for the next well, one? Yeah, but well, we'll. <laughs> yeah. All, all right, right, all right. Let me finish this thought. Let me finish this thought. We'll jump and, into that. And we're going to do the ad read and we'll jump okay. right into the lottery. Yeah. Right, good deal. I mean, Horford, I should say, Tatum, what I wanted to see, if, if you believe that the Celtics' best lineup this season, potentially going into it, was Hayward, Brown, Kyrie, Horford, and Tatum, you looked at that lineup and you said, where's the rebounding going to come from? You know, who's going to be able to handle the power forwards on the other team? Uh, the guys who, you know, when, if they go too bigs, who's going to be we the guy? We didn't have anybody. That? We didn't have anybody. We didn't, exactly. That's why you were and that's I were debating problem. whether or not Baines was the starting center. But, but even if you start, like that's not even like, even if you start, you end up with a situation. Still, still the same problem throughout the game. Exactly. You still end up with a spot where your best lineup is, is, ha- struggles rebounding and struggles on the defensive end. So how do you fill that gap with those guys in there? Now, if, to, to, you know, if you say Anthony Davis is part of this team and you play him next to Horford, well, problem solved. Okay. Problem solved because he's a defensive player of the year candidate every year. He can rebound like nobody's business all set. But if you go in with those five guys, it's a problem. And so if, if that trade doesn't happen and you just start with these same guys, you need Jason Tatum to be a better rebounder and a better defender, you know, and he didn't do that this year consistently. There were games he rebounded very, very well, but there's a lot of minutes that went now, to listen, Marcus Morris. They're that not in the gone right to Tatum. spot. Yeah. Well, they're not in the right spots. Brown should be at shooting guard and Tatum should be at small forward. And if they played in that part of the line, then you have a really long, you know, wing tandem and even Marcus Smart at point guard, you know, a total facilitator and you get shots for those guys. And then we look for offense and defense and rebounding from Horford and said player that's missing. You know, you know, I think you really, and, and I think Hayward's coming off the bench, unfortunately, which is, you know, kind of weird for the, for the salary level, but. We're just gonna, we're gonna have to table that. That debate is gonna have to continue. We have to talk about the lottery or people are gonna turn this podcast off thinking, what are you guys talking about? That just happened last night. And, you know, what does that mean now that we have, you know, information leading up to the draft? But before we do that, uh, speaking of losing, losing hair sucks. And I didn't realize how much I cared about mine until my son noticed that I had started losing it. Keeps is the easiest and most affordable way to keep the hair you have. These FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes and just $1 a day, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. Getting started with Keeps is so easy. Sign up takes less than five minutes. All you have to do is answer a few questions and snap some photos of your hair. Then a licensed physician reviews your information online and recommends the right treatment for you. And it's shipped right to your door every three months. Keep Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products that are out there. Some of them you have probably tried before, but you've probably never gotten them for this price. Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month. Plus now you can get your first month for free. That's one hell of a deal deal for getting to keep your hair. So to receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash stuff. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash stuff. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash stuff. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow. All right, John. So I didn't want to just totally cut that conversation off no, it's but that's an on we're going to be talking that. about that yeah. every single week for the yep. next month and a half two months yep. you know and then well i guess month maybe month month and a half and then you know we're going to be into the free agency talk which will you know kind of be part of all that debate anyway mm-hmm. but the lottery uh interesting results the pelicans rumored to be willing to wheel and deal for the number one overall pick you know, the Knicks having a high likelihood of getting that wind up leapfrogging everybody moving into that number one slot. So Zion Williamson, not necessarily the guarantee, but maybe the heir apparent to a traded Anthony Davis, right? Like really odd for them to move up into the one slot, or maybe they go a different direction, like I kind of alluded to before. Uh, who knows what they do with uh, that pick, but interesting that they jumped up. And in doing so, the Celtics, we kind of know 
that the tiebreakers didn't go their way and, and some of the valuable picks that they thought were kind of devalued. They end up with 14, 20, and 22. And the real takeaway here is that probably the most valuable pick is the one that wasn't conveyed this year that I thought was going to get conveyed. The odds of that one actually deferring to next year were pretty low. And thankfully, Memphis's pick owed to the Celtics does defer because this draft is not super deep outside of a couple of players at the top. And so I think everybody would like to see this move to next year. It also makes the pick more valuable in any kind of a trade if they do decide to package it. Depth issues abound potentially depending on what happens in the offseason. These picks at 14, 20, and 22, they could actually go with some of the older guys in the draft that know how to play just to build some single-year depth on that roster if it's necessary. None of them are going to get a ton of playing time. Or they could elect to take a couple of home run swings as well. But I almost see it as as a depth-building draft for them if they keep these picks this year. That's not happening. <laughs> you think they're all getting spun out? Yeah, yeah. It's there's, Are you are you convinced no way. on Anthony Davis? Is I, I, that yeah. why? I mean, that's, I mean, who else? If they don't look, get Anthony Davis, what happens to these picks? Let me let me say this. I am not going to spend the next six weeks talking about Rui Hashimura and uh, Bol Bol and Cameron Johnson. I mean, look, I can do that. You know I can do that. You know I'm willing to, to sit there and talk about depth pieces that can build around this team. But this is this whole uh, you thing. You just wanted to be so it, sexy, but how many no, times have they wound the up truth. making these picks? No. Yeah, but, oh, come these on. picks have no yep. value in a deal for Anthony Davis. That doesn't matter for the same Why? reason that you're saying they're not not valuable enough for listen, you to get you know okay. all hot and. If anyone is going to listen to this show, they're not going to want to listen to us talk about the 14th, 20th, 20th, 22nd pick. I agree with you. I I 100% agree (laughs) with you. We'll start off the podcast on that one. All right. So (laughs) now we sound like the Boston media. (laughs) No, no, no. no, In all seriousness, in all seriousness, there are depth pieces, but this is a bad draft. Like, yeah. I mean, if you trade away pieces, if you trade away, you know, pieces, you know, to, to get Anthony Davis or to, you know, Bradley Beal or whatever you're going to do. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, probably trading away all those picks and pieces makes no sense because you need, um, you need low priced players to build around the, you know, the max players that you're going to have on the roster. If, if the ultimate goal is, you know, Kyrie, AD and, you know, Hayward and something else, then you need to have these, these young players, uh, growing into roles and ready to contribute and not in a Terry Rozier sort of way, but in an actually I'm accepting my role and I'm playing it behind the superstar kind of way. And that's, I mean, that's the ultimate goal, I guess. Well, anybody drafting right? in the twenties has to kind of look at it that way. You know, pick yeah. number 14 wouldn't be ordinarily all that bad, but in this draft, this draft it is. it's probably a twenties pick anyway. And yeah. so you're basically looking at three twenties picks. You know, they did get Rajon Rondo in the twenties. Like there's players. That sometimes, you know, rise from from you know an area where you didn't expect them to. We always see those second round home runs. So they, it's like Zarin said, I think last year. You know, the more swings of the bat, the better odds you are at getting a great player. You know, yeah. but the odds of getting a great player this low are are low, right? right. So right. Uh, more swings of the bat, they'll have a few of them. Those players who do wind up panning out don't necessarily just jump right out at you in year one either. It's not necessarily a rookie thing. That's why I almost feel like they're just looking for depth picks. Get some, get some, uh, semi-ogeles, you know, get some players that yeah. can do a couple of things really well. Brad will know exactly when and how to slot them in. You know, a good, a good, uh, you know, junior or senior rebounder. You know, somebody who's a little undersized, but can go in situationally and grab some boards would be a great pick. I agree. I, and I agree with that. I mean, right now, I just, I brought up Sam Vecini's, uh, his mock on the, on the athletic. You know, he's got Brandon Clark, who the, you know, kind of perfect as kind of that, like, weak side shot blocker, rebounder. I mean, really would be a good fit. Not much offense, but we're talking about if he could grow into that role of being a guy who could do what Semi does, but, but maybe a little bit more offensive game and grow into that as that, kind of fifth guy in that starting lineup, 
that would be a great fit. Um, I would think you'd want to, that 14th pick is gone. You know, it's going to be gone in a pick, uh, gone in a, in a trade. So I don't think you're going to have the, the 14th pick if you're making the deal. It's going to be the, the later picks that you may be, you know, stashing and, and, and using. Um, but you know, yeah, I mean, there's depth pieces, but to me, this, the future of the franchise is not about the depth. It's about, are they going to make this trade? And in a way, in a way, the lottery couldn't have worked out better because, I mean, you would have loved to see the Knicks and the Lakers further down, really, if, if you want a Davis trade. But if you, you know, but the fact that they didn't get one and they didn't get two really puts both teams in a position where they're going to really have to scratch and claw. The Knicks being in the third spot, there's not a whole lot you can pair with Barrett or with you know, Moran if, if he goes third. There's not enough there really to make a deal, I don't think. I think the Celtics can beat any deal that the Knicks can put together. You know, I think that the, the, the Lakers, the fourth pick, you're, you're really scratching it and you've got what, you know, Brandon Ingram with you know, the issues he's having. I mean, it just seems like you really want to go in on Davis, don't you? Well, you have to. You have to. You have to get the, a top five player. So you've got to. So you've got to keep. You've got to keep Kyrie too. Then no, I don't. I don't think you have to, but I think you really need to. You know, it's like ninety oh. percent. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like a ninety percent thing. If he stays, then you feel pretty good about him sticking around. If you're at a hundred, you know. I don't feel great about trying. I think it's 50 50 if you get Davis and you don't have Kyrie stick around, but I think he's going to stay. I think Kyrie's going to stay. I think Davis is going to get traded here and this team is going to look completely different a year from now. I am, I got the green glasses on, man. I guess, I guess I'm saying I got the green glasses on and I'm saying this thing's going to work because I think they're going to find a way to get it down with Kyrie Irving. They're going to, they're going to say, look, Stop being such a moron, and I think he's going to own up to it. He's never has before. There's nothing in this history that indicates that he will, but I think he's going to learn from this situation. He's going to have to come back with humility. He's going to have to come back with a desire to, to change his ways, change his attitude, but he's also going to be the number two guy and not the number one guy. And the number one guy in Davis is going to be you know, fetid. He's going to be honored. He's going to be, you know, but he's going to be in a, in a, in a very different scenario than he's ever been in the NBA. He's going to be surrounded with talent. He's going to be surrounded by coaching and, and a front office that knows how to take advantage of who he is. So I think that's the way it's going to go. I am all in. Got my Celtic screen glasses on. It's going to happen. Boom. I know. We're going to keep. Keep the two J's, and we're gonna be we're gonna be here in you know fourth, fifth. Uh, right there is phenomenal YouTube. I, I there's uh, hmm. okay. I don't know what that is, dude. I, I it's is just a a, it's a flat tire, dude. There's no way. Listen, whoa, you, there's no way. You, you, what are you talking about? There's, there's no, no way. There's no way Kyrie is gonna come back and be second fiddle. There's no way he's gonna. Have this like change of heart that you're talking about is ludicrous. No, it's the not. only thing that's going to change his attitude is winning. And so if Davis comes and those two, you know, commit to each other and really nobody else on the team and Davis makes Kyrie better so that Kyrie doesn't have all that attention and he starts making shots again. And I know you, you're saying, yes. He will be the number two if Davis comes. You're 100% right about that, but he will never see that in his own mind. Not ever. He's going to be the leader. He's going to have the ball in his hands and every ounce of success that, you know, he and Davis have together, he is still going to take an enormous amount of credit for. There's, there's just no way that his attitude is going to change that much just, just based on him in the off season going, Oh, I need to change my ways. I think you're wrong about that because winning, at, winning is, this, winning is the only year. thing okay. that'll solve it. And that, and maybe that's true because last year they were winning and they were successful and, and they found, and we didn't have any of this. There wasn't any of this talk about Kyrie being too cool for school, Kyrie big timing players, Kyrie talking about the young guys. The young guys were even younger last year, right? They were even younger. We never had any of that talk. Why? 
Why was so who, it different? It was you, different you, because so who are we getting rid Kyrie of? didn't have this the specter of free agency over his head. He didn't Smart. have videos of of, of him talking in in hallways. Memphis he didn't have any of that Beck. stuff. He what didn't else? have any of that. Like it, it's, but like that's that that's <sighs> important. Well, no, like this is the thing. Like if Kyrie <laughs> is like. I don't know why you don't see this. Like the, the guy didn't have like a he didn't have his brain like exchange for something else. He's the same guy. So what changed? The team changed around him. The expectations changed around him. The media changed around him. The expectations from the national media and all that. It, it all came down and it and it stomped on him. I think that will be gone. I think that matters. I think you bring in Davis. The expectations change and that matters. You won't have his backup with a knife in, in, in Kyrie's back coming for him. I mean, I think those all those things matter. I love how you just flipped the scary Terry graphic. Amazing. Amazing how you just flipped that. Scary Terry throwing a knife in Kyrie's back. Oh, dude. Listen. <laughs> I could take these off. Gonna it's going to cost us everything <laughs> to get Davis, and both of these players have had knee issues. Scary shit. Yeah, but okay, and, and so it's going to okay, be. Ray so hold on, hold on. Had, had so who's going? Spurs, who's going? And, and, and is Horford Kevin Garnett get, had injury issues. Kevin Garnett. I mean, we could we could go do that. What are you doing? What are you like, doing? Yeah, we can do that because I mean, it basically ended the Celtics' run, one championship. We could be building something really cool, and we're going to trade it all in, and that could happen. That could it could be. You know, what if what if Kyrie says I want to do a one in one deal like Kevin Durant? Ooh, no, yeah, they won't do it. I don't think the Celtics will do that. Well, they're going to have from five years. Don't back. think that that isn't an option. You know what I mean? I don't for think this the Celtics are going to offer him. I think this is a two-way negotiation. I don't think this is a situation where the Celtics are going to say, "Oh, whatever you want, Kyrie." I think there's going to be a sit down, and they're going to say, "Look, what do you want to do?" And say, "Yeah, it didn't work out, and this is why we think it didn't work out. We need you to do this, this, and this." I think that they're going to be. I, I don't think that they're just going to. Uh, bend to whatever Kyrie wants. I think they're going to say, we want you here, we want you to, but we've got to do some things differently as a franchise. And indirectly, well, directly saying, you got to change your ways, man. You can't, you can't, can't run this team like that. All right. So who are they trading for Davis then? I think Tatum. I hate to say it, but smart. And that's, that's the bulk of it. And then it's picks. You want to say Gershon? You want to you talk about Rob Williams? Only Tatum, Tatum, Smart, yes. and Dick. You're, you're trading okay. for a guy so, that has so a one-year deal. So we're, we're going to have Brown, Hayward, Horford, Kyrie. And then this, this gives you the most roster balance. Right. And then AD. Right. And then, you know, Terry's gone. So the bench, you might. Can you get Marcus Morris back? Do you have enough salary at that point? Not really. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. didn't like him. Well, I'm not like a him. fan. Not a fan. Although he played, of all the players in the in the yeah, final games, good. biggest fighter, biggest but, fighter out there. He's, but I, I like that rumor of him going to New York. I could definitely, I could definitely see that happening. Love it. I don't love it. <laughs> so who's who's the bench? I don't worry about that right now. I'm yeah. not worried about it at all because you know what? No, we, what was the bench in 08? You know, so it's, it's, so we hold get on, more hold of a bench on. now than we did so then. Yavaselli, <laughs> Yavaselli plays the role of, uh, big baby. You got Baines, you've got, I mean, Baines will probably resign for, you know, four, five, six million. That's not a guarantee, right? Uh, so you I think, can't count I think on. it's pretty likely. I think it's pretty, I think he's as likely to return as Horford is. You know, um, Shemi is back, so you'd have him. I mean, that's a pretty yep. good. I mean, I mean Shemi's good on the three and D after you move all those players. So, you know, you've got Kyrie, Jalen, I'm just counting numbers, Horford, Hayward, Ojale, Davis. And then, then you, I mean, the question is, who else did they, does, 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 does New Orleans need? Do they need Robert Williams in the trade? Yeah, they're going to take him. Are I they? Guess. Well, I don't know. Not with the I number one. Maybe not with the number right. one pick. 
I mean, Gershon, I mean, so seven, eight guys. I mean, what do you, you know, I mean, you're gonna, you get a couple picks you'll, you'll probably end up with the end of the draft. So you get 10 players and you're you gonna think they sign. Do you think they sign and trade Terry over there as part of the salary I match? I, I don't care. No, I don't think they can. I don't think there's a way to make that work. But either way, I, I, I think Terry is insignificant at this point. Yeah. I don't think they need him to make that match. Now, there's a potential they may have to throw in more if the Pelicans want to send out salary. So if they want to send out Solomon Hill or they want to send out each one more, they may have to throw in some, some of these, some more of these players like, you know, you have a Selly or something. But to me, that's the, that's where this whole thing, you know, sits. And, and even still, I mean, you're going to find guys who are looking to play on winning teams. You know, there's going to be players that are going to, who are going to be veterans? No, you're who right. Willing to fill that. a role, who can who can hit a shot or get a vet get, minimum you know? here and there. Yep, absolutely. There's an Eddie House out there. There's, you know, James Posey. Those are a little bit harder to find. So AD, remember, Gordon AD, Hayward is still AD, on your team, right? Well, <laughs> I mean, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, like that's pretty yeah, good as the, as the fourth and fifth options. Yeah, potentially, well, probably third and fourth. But yeah, I mean, you're going to put um, them ahead of Horford. Yeah, because I don't think Horf- Horford's not a scorer. I mean, he just he doesn't, you know. No, he'll relish he'll relish the the defense and right, you know. But he, especially with Anthony Davis doing so much scoring in the post. Oh my gosh! I, I mean, uh, yeah. And, oh my and, god! So I just just I don't have to like them, right? Yeah, you, you will because they'll win. I mean, so you, you think my attitude about the team will change with? Co- Kyrie's. You'd be like Kyrie. Change in attitude. <laughs> no, look, Kyrie's attitude has to change first. None of this is going to work. I know what you're saying, and I agree with it. I think, but Kyrie's attitude was fine to start the season. I, I don't know what Terry Rozier's talking about. And there was a little bit of the, of the, the, but this and that. But look how he played. He was every loose ball, every offensive rebound. I mean, taking charges. Yeah, he did the have first the two months of the year. He just, he just hates losing. He was and, and he's, a, his he's a bad loser. You're and right. His he's teammates just a bad loser. Sucked. Bad loser. You know? Yeah. And so okay, so that's, you know that's nobody. Wrong. Nobody likes to lose. I get it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, you, but you, you summarized it. He's a but bad loser. Nah, if you're a franchise nah, leader, you should, yeah, you do I better. agree. I agree. But to to your point, he's going to go a place where he can win, and if he's winning, he's you know nobody's going to care. Right. And and so he's a poor loser. That's what it boils down to. He's not a role model for your children, but you know he's definitely driving towards winning. And if he wins, everything will be fine. The question is, can he face adversity? And the mm-hmm. truth is, summarized poignantly, he cannot face adversity without a sidekick. Who is slightly better than him. Right. And that's so right. So how does that play itself out? How does, and how does no, he that's where, that's that? where the Anthony Davis thing comes into play, but he's got to grow. He's got to be better than that. They're well, not going to be successful. He can't, he can't Terry Rozier, Anthony Davis, the way he did LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, just to use your visual about the knife in the back. Yeah. All right. You know what? We got so much more time for this and this was a chaotic show. We we were all over the place, and I'm definitely. <laughs> well, it's been a week and a half, and a lot's I'm, happened. I'm done with Kyrie, dude. So we'll just see how that all goes. I mean, we have the outtakes to to do whatever we're going to do. The, do tonight. you want the sunglasses? Do you want to borrow? Oh my these? god! I, I gotta I, let me see if I can find this email before we go out. I got a I got a listener who sent sent me an email, and wow. uh, it's probably worth. You know what? This will be the outtakes. I'm gonna wrap it. And then this will, this will be the outtakes. All right. So this broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS media mobile app. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. Heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you give us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. First staff writer, Samuel Elias. Oh, Sammy! Executive producer, Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Chelso. And for my co-host, John Duke, I'm Justin Poole. And thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live. All right. So I got to find this, uh, this email. It's great. It's great because I'm still. Dude, I'm reeling from this season. And and it's not just the postseason. 
You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so I just want to read this. Ah, here it is. All right. I won't say who it is. I don't know if they want to be identified. I definitely didn't tell them I was going to read it. So, uh, I got an email and it said, are you guys just too bummed out to do a show wrapping up the season? I need yes. to hear the pain. Uh, that was part of it. The schedule was part of it. The negativity was a lot of it. And, uh, and I've just been busy as hell lately. And then when they just flopped out, the motivation was not there. So I said, we are definitely doing it. Last week just got away from us. Tonight we are recording after the lottery once we know what positions we are, parentheses, potentially drafting from. And then the response is, that makes sense. Looking forward to it. I don't know what I was hoping for in the playoffs from these guys. I should have expected this result. Kyrie has a screw loose, and that makes it a huge problem. Boy, is that true. He goes on to say, it was more likely Smart was going to develop a serviceable three-pointer, which is hilarious because that is what happened. And then look at this. I don't think Kyrie's narcissism is fixable. I share that sentiment. And we didn't talk about this, but he references Kendrick Perkins being spot on on Celtics beat regarding the problems with Kyrie and the team. And then finally he closes, which is hilarious. And you can decide if we want to name it this way or not. He says, I liked the Celtics suck live title from a while back. I guess this is Celtics still suck live. (laughs) So we'll just call him Bill. But that was uh, that was a fun email today. I'm not even sure if I had a chance to reply to it. I've just been spun out with work lately. But um, yeah, the Kendrick Perkins thing on on Celtics beat. I'm surprised we didn't headline that a little bit. But you know, Perk was definitely you know kind of a recognized leader down the stretch of his career. Best way to say it was definitely around you know some pretty good clubs. Uh, watched a club go from, you know, atrocious to championship contending, got traded away for Jeff Green. So he had to deal with like the emotions that Isaiah Thomas, you know, has to deal with in a certain way, you know, really loving the franchise, watched his best friend early on get traded away. Al Jefferson, you know, they had lockers side by side. They came up together much like Brown and, and Tatum did, you know, and now he's out here and he, you know, he's really criticizing Kyrie pretty heavily for being responsible. And I'm not sure that, you know, Kendrick said anything we didn't say, but it is always interesting to hear, you know, another uh, player, especially one whose opinion, you know, especially in, and not only their opinion, but their locker room presence was so respected across the league. Oh, and yeah. And I would, we had, CLNS was killing it this week between, uh, Burke beat on with Adam Coffin on Sullivan's beat. Bob Ryan on with uh, Jeff Goodman on Good and Plenty. And then the Winning Plays podcast there with, uh, you know, uh, B-Rob and, and Rich Levine and uh, Mike Pina. Those guys did fan- fantastic really doing this. So we didn't have to go on the air. We could, we could take all the best of what their shows were and, and cobble this into our show. But, um, <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, you know, Perk, Perk's comments – they, they, I think they were the types of things that needed to be said on the Celtics bench this season. You know, I, I think when we, first of all, Michael Shrewsbury is gone and, and I think good friend of Brad Stevens brought, you know, came over. But I think that with Walter McCarty gone, there's a need on that bench for veteran NBA leadership. And I think that's what what Brad doesn't Perk's, have. Perk's coaching opportunity, except yeah. maybe not now that he called out Kyrie if they keep Kyrie. Probably not. But, but James Posey is a guy who was on the Cleveland bench the last couple of years, and that might be a good fit. Certainly understands Celtics basketball, understands the franchise, and is uh, is somebody who I think would be respected in the locker room and knows how the NBA game is played. Kyrie talked about that early in the season. How we need a 13-year vet on you know on this bench. I think that that speaks to that, and and he needs someone. They need someone on that bench who will tell Kyrie exactly where the bear, you know, what's in the woods, and that's that's needed. That you know, and I don't know that Brad can be that guy. I think you need to have the you know the good cop bad cop thing and and work that all out. But there certainly needs to be a firmer hand on that type of 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 play. And I think that Perk really was kind of speaking to that is saying, look, we, we were account, we we're holding each other accountable. He talked a lot about that with Adam. I think that 
you know, this team with so many young players, that's impossible. You're not going to see that. I mean, in fact, the, you know, that 08 team was almost the reverse. You had almost all, uh, you know, older players and a few young guys, you know, baby Rondo and, and, uh, and Perk, you know, the script got flipped here this year where you had just a few old guys and a lot of young guys, awfully hard to allow those young guys to police themselves. We need more. I think that the lesson of this is that Brad needs more, veteran savvy, more veteran gravitas on his bench to help deliver his message and perhaps be folks that, that Kyrie can buy into that message, you know, and lead that on the court. That's a really good point. You're right. Brad needs help. Brad can't be the one who's constantly delivering the message. You, you kind of threw out the Micah Shrewsbury thing, and I only want to spend maybe another minute, but um, do you think that that also, like Micah's relationship with Brad was just – you know, sort of a steadying force so that when things were going on in the locker room, that he had somebody that he could sort of confide in and bounce things off, et cetera. And that maybe he's a little more, I want to say alone, you know, in the plight of a very difficult season that I feel like Brad handled it well. He definitely handled it well in front of the media. Like you couldn't have asked for anything more that way. Um, I think a lot of people criticize, you know, some of his lineup changes or not necessarily starting lineup, but, you know, some of the after timeout plays didn't seem to go as well as they had in years past and, you know, some of, some of that. But, um, but, but I, but I almost wonder if maybe, you know, it wasn't just a change in culture for the players. Maybe that was a big impact, you know, in the coaching ranks as well for Brad, especially and just his ability to weather a difficult season. Yeah, I, no, I think that's, I think that's a really good point. I think that that, that relationship and having that conciliary, I suppose, you know, kind of a, um, you know, <laughs> you, you know, that you need that, that voice that you can rely upon, that you can lean upon. And, and Micah has been that guy for Brad throughout his time here and, and before. Um, I think it's going to be difficult for Brad to be without that. Now, you know, we've got a lot of guys for holdovers who had been on, on doc staff, you know, Jamie Young and, um, you know, uh, oh my gosh, how am I blanking on, uh, Laranaga? You know, those two guys have, have been through both, both generations. Uh, and we've got some guys who are, who were brought in by Brad, but none of those guys played the league. You know, there isn't anybody who played in the league. So I think it's just about trying to find, Play, you know, coaches and, and everyone who can offer a different thing. I think the coaches have great relationships, particularly with the young guys. I mean, uh, John Corrales did a great story on Laranega and his work with Brad's, uh, with, with Marcus Moore, or Marcus Smart. Uh, you know, we've seen similar stuff with, with Tatum and, and, and Jalen. Um, but for a veteran guy, it's a very different dynamic. And so I think finding that guy, that veteran savvy type, uh, who's been through the wars and can explain those things and keep people focused and centered. I think that's what's missing from that bench right now. And hopefully he can, he can add that this summer. 